Hello and welcome to this special edition of the ST Advisor podcast. I'm David Thorpe, Investment Editor at ST Advisor. This podcast is sponsored by Columbia Threadneedle Investments. Today, we are discussing the outlook and options for investors seeking exposure to responsible and sustainable fixed income assets. And joining me to discuss the topic is Tammy Kang, Senior Portfolio Manager at Columbia Threadneedle Investments. Thank you for joining me today, Tammy. Hi, David. Thank you for having me. Tell me, impact is often spoken about in the context of equity investing and equity income investing. But as a fixed income buyer, how can you deliver impact through the funds that you that you run? Great question. I think, David, as sat here from the lens of a bond fund manager who particularly invests with the lens for social good, um, very much it is our objective to find opportunities that satisfy twin goals, both the financial return requirement that we would seek of highly rated credit funds, and secondly, how can it satisfy and support beneficial positive outcomes for people? So that for us is key in terms of delivering impact. How from a social lens or from that lens of people first can we support better outcomes and unmet needs through our investments. Social impact uh, bonds is one area that, uh, I mean, you mentioned it in your your previous answer, and it's one area that I think attracted a lot of attention from advisors and clients uh, in recent years. But how do they deliver a return for investors? And and by return, I mean, obviously, both the the financial, but also the uh, responsible investing uh, goals that a client may have. The impact investing space, from our lens, we very much look at considering how can we support better outcomes and be more targeted to specifically the regions and the people that need better outcomes. Thank you. So, so it's it's very much a it's it's very much a, a, a regional focus and a demographic focus. Is that, is that right? Yes. And when we go about researching, evidencing the outcomes and the impacts that our investments can facilitate and support, a key part of what we research and what we consider in our process is the where, the geography and the who and the population cohort. And why we do so is because ultimately our intention as social impact bond investors in wanting to support better outcomes and support unmet needs is that if greater need is relevant to specific regions or population cohorts, we want the support of capital or the flow of capital to go to those areas. We want to see where gaps persist, whether we're talking equality or income or wealth gaps, we want to see that narrow among society because we do believe that society is better off in aggregate when we have more social cohesion, better financial security than when big social gaps do not persist. And then if we move to environmental or what I guess sometimes might be called green bonds, how do you think about the role of those assets in a broader responsible investment portfolio? So for a social fund with a lens of people first and foremost, uh, indeed, the issue of supporting our climate transition is not a separate and distinct issue. These are interlinked uh, issues 
if anything, our intentions and our ambitions to support the climate transition is very much led by our inherent desire to support, protect people from displacement and worse outcomes if we don't facilitate the transition. So from our social lens, when we consider the opportunities to support environmental projects and green bonds, we additionally and importantly will consider them from a lens of how is this also supporting the communities or employees relevant to this issuer of a green bond? Are they facilitating and supporting their employees to transition from fossil fuel areas of their business into retraining and supporting a transition into serving more renewable, sustainable areas of their business. And similarly, we want to consider how are they also supporting communities when they do, when they transition their businesses. One of the factors that I think is in, impacting non-responsible or, or conventional bond markets, if you like, are the supply and demand dynamics. In the parts of the bond market that you invest in, the responsible fixed income market, how are supply and demand dynamics operating at the moment and how are they impacting how you invest? I think uh, you're questioning whether there is a material premium to invest in. Well, 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 well in, indeed, and, and just also more, more broadly, lots of uh, capital is obviously mo moving into the responsible fixed income universe. So if you've got an increase in capital, do we have a consequential increase in supply uh, to meet that capital? Or is it more capital facing fewer assets, which obviously has an impact on price? So we haven't seen any material uptick uh, in capital. The amount of issuance tracking the best part or over a trillion in both the dollar and euro markets in investment grade uh, currently is not too dissimilar to the pace of prior years. What is interesting though is that we do see that demand or rather supply can follow demand and now with a material rise in rates and um, particularly more so at the front end with inverted yield curves, uh, demand has been led by front end or, or rather shorter maturity issuances and that is where uh, both investors and issuers have been considering or tapping in terms of uh, their ability to come to the primary market. And then, and look, that does bring us to that that point about the, the famous greenium uh, <laughs> extra extra um, premium uh, associated or at least historically associated with responsible fixed income asset. Do you think that that still exists? I would say the greenium, when we track it, and we track it from the lens of comparing the price of bonds that are more general corporate purpose to those that are labelled, which includes green or sustainable or social labels, historically the difference, there is a difference, but um, I would also label it as quite de minimis. Um, on average, about one or two basis points in spread or yield terms, um, and often um, it cannot, it, it's not there at all. Often the more prevalent or important consideration relates to just what is the sentiment or the market environment of the day that will often define uh, the, the price of any individual characteristic to the extent we sit in an environment uh, whereby it's lower volatility. So one that we saw um, quite some years back when uh, interest rates and base rates were flawed 
near zero and the environment was, was very much still of a very low yield environment, that was when we did see just slightly higher greeniums and maybe a greater spread of them in some sectors, in some types of bonds such as automakers and green bonds, that dispersion or that greenium may have been a bit bigger, call it five or 10 basis points, but you know, in the context of yields that are between two to four percent, that's uh, uh, they, they, they were more meaningful in lower volatility environments. In recent years, obviously, we've had uh, an uptick in interest from investors in uh, responsible fixed income. But alongside that interest, how has the responsible fixed income universe evolved? I would say the evolution, and I would say of impact investing and through the bond market. And, and just to be clear, what I, what I mean by that, the bond market, I'm talking about issuers who tap the capital markets and, and do index eligible sizes, and then the bonds are widely traded on the secondary market. The starting point is the bond market inherently, it has always been able to support impactful investments, including from the social lens. And because many of the issuers in the market, they are inherently social, sustainable in purpose, social emissions, they fund outcomes to support the needs of society. And because many of the issuers include nonprofits and development banks and supranationals and governments and government related entities, whilst for also other entities and issuers where there is a greater element of profit seeking listed companies, private companies, or those that also operate within highly regulated sectors, utilities and infrastructure, they can also issue and use the bond market through, I guess, being very purposeful in ring fencing the construct of what they use the proceeds for, such as ring fencing assets or cash flow. So that combination of understanding the issuer intention for the capital, the issuer transparency of what the proceeds are used for, um, that really helps us understand. You can understand then what it means for what outcomes, where and who um, the, the capital is supporting from an impact lens. If we consider the European Investment Bank, so they are the lending arm of the EU, set up in the late 50s, and to date they have invested over a trillion into communities globally to help and with the intention to tackle our global challenges, environmental and socially. In 2007, um, they issued what I think the market effectively deems as the first green bond, which they labelled as the climate awareness bond and ultimately proved to the market that you can use bond proceeds for green projects and provide the accountability and the transparency necessary uh, to evidence impact. And it became the blueprint for standards to come. So the market has subsequently continued to evolve uh, the work by ICMA, the International Capital Markets Association. So the, the, the standard setting body to support disclosure and documentation for the debt capital markets. And in 2014, uh, the first official green bond principles um, were established, again, through lessons and learnings from that, that, that first EIB climate awareness bonds and the years that followed sustainability and social bond principles were launched. And ultimately, they've just made it very clear for the market um, and issuers to just 
Be clear about the process to select eligible projects, make clear how it's monitored and make clear about your commitments to report and ultimately verify what you say you'll do. And so they have been key steps to the evolution of um, more impactful capital by the bond markets. And I think a job of an active manager is to support that evolution through the engagement and influence with issuers um, and industry practitioners. And according to Bloomberg data, there has been now over 4 trillion in labelled uh, social sustainable uh, green bond issuance uh, to date. And since COVID, I would say on an annual basis, nearing the best part of a trillion in issuance each year, they are indeed very meaningful sizes. But I think our view and our intention is that the bond market will play and continue to play an increasingly greater role. Indeed, we want it to. If it's raising so much in fresh capital through the primary markets each year, it was 10 trillion last year, then it must play an increasingly important role to meet a lot of our pressing challenges, citing, for example, the UN SDGs, where I see figures of the magnitude of about 4 trillion necessary to meet those 17 goals, of which we know the bulk of those are social in purpose. How do you think about diversification at the at the portfolio level, given those trends and, and evolutions and, and the growth in the in the asset class? So for an impact fund that has a twin objective, financial return and social impact, a key part of achieving social impact is not just the who and the where, but also the what. And that what for ourselves, we've always referenced, I guess, serving or, or facilitating capital that supports necessary social outcomes. And a lot of our investments in our thinking and our process have been informed by the work of um, the 1940s psychologist Abraham Maslow, who made very clear humans and people have a hierarchy of social need. Any one of us can guess what that hierarchy is. It starts with the physical needs. We need shelter. We need health. We need skills to then facilitate jobs and then access and integration with our communities and then access to infrastructure before we can, I guess, seek to pursue, I guess, more higher um, internally driven um, needs and aims. And so with that, the bond market is very well placed to support a lot of those outcome areas. A lot of the issuers we look at, they do support the provision of housing, the provision of building new, affordable, quality homes, and in addition for those um, on lower income. And when we talk to a lot of our issuers, we see that a lot of them, not only do they provide the homes, but they're very targeted from a population perspective. One issuer out of Asia, we've seen become very targeted and specific as to the, the nature of the vulnerable population set they look at, single parent, disabled, the youth, the age, all in a way kind of on the low income spectrum and others are very supported and focused in terms of how do they support their tenants, provide advice, resources in hardship, provide education um, and provide more community space and um, I guess networking opportunities. That's just one example within I guess one of those outcome areas but there's, there's many and as I said across the health and education and job spectrum because of that wide spectrum of outcomes the bond market can facilitate, we can achieve then 
touch on a wide subset of sectors and a wide subset of issuers, which then when we start from the lens of is each issuer also meeting the hurdle from a financial perspective, um, it, it's then the combination of both the financial, the fundamental, and then the impact, the impact on the what, what outcomes, who and where is how we help um, progress on achieving those um, diversified aims from both financial and impact lens. Well, when thinking about social impact investing, it is certainly an area that has attracted a lot of attention. But how do they deliver a return for investors, both in terms of the financial return, but also in terms of helping investors meet their uh, responsible investing goals? So to hit the first part first, the financial lens, as with any impact investment, the criteria first and foremost is the financial return. So every issuer must meet the hurdles we deem necessary for investability in, in any issue. And ultimately, from a credit investor perspective, we always seek issuers with strong balance sheets, ideally strong and improving balance sheets, and ideally strong and improving balance sheets with stable outlooks and uh, with bonds that are too cheap for their strength on a forward-looking basis. But then from the impact perspective, we very much care about the social lens. And that care stems from a starting point of, I guess, not accepting that the inequality that is among us currently um, is just too big. Uh, it, it's it's been big for a while, and it continues to be at risk of widening. So inequality, we we recognise um, it it exists and is led by a within country problem. Indeed, um, when we looked at uh, you know World Inequality Report, which published findings in December 2021, they cited that near two-thirds of inequality globally, it stems from within country inequality, not between, and that figure has been rising over time. And thus, it, it we know that when big shocks occur, whether a pandemic or a war, those more vulnerable in society will bear a disproportionate brunt um, of, of the shocks. And that is how these big gaps continue to persist. And so that is then consequently why from a social and impact lens, if we can help support the provision of capital to the more needed areas, then we also believe that by, I guess, supporting investments to more deprived regions, whether defined according to GDP or rates of unemployment or more needed vulnerable population cohorts, whether defined again according to the um, aged or ability or again employment levels or education levels or minority groups that by supporting these areas regions people and in supporting I guess the attempt to reduce and address some of these big gaps actually everyone can benefit everyone ought to benefit socially because um, societies uh, are just better off more cohesive and with everyone with better well-being and I guess just general rates of health and lower crime. Thank you for that, Tammy. And more broadly, thank you very much to Tammy Tang, Senior Portfolio Manager at Columbia Threadneedle Investments. And thank you all for listening. Please do tune in to future editions 
of the Attitude Advisor podcast. Thank you.